Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sarnikar. What are your qualifications? Uh, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite and extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I can do this all day. The Matt Sarnikar Podcast. In Lafayette, right? Welcome, Rachel. Thank you for making the time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Sure. And I have to say, as I was starting and getting set up for this recording, I'm not nervous about this, but I'm very self-conscious about my speaking voice. So this has never happened to me before. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) No need to be nervous. Okay, good. And yeah, we've talked before and I'm not worried about, uh, you know, being judged, but um, how did you get into this field? And um, just take me through that progression because you're the, I think the first real person I've met that has this for a career and being an amateur (laughs) podcaster and person in this space. Like, how did you get into it? Sorry about that. Um, Let me get her. You know, my other dog is gone. I only have the one old dog who's usually doesn't bark. Oh. She, there's just a lot of people walking. Sorry, do you want to ask me that question? I'm going to put her, I should put her maybe outside. Do you mind if I put her outside? No, I'll so just, we're all good. Okay, so that doesn't happen again. Let me, let me get her out. Okay. Lucy? Lucy, come on, come on. Oh, Lucy, come, come on. Okay. Still there? Yep, yep. I'm so sorry. I just put her outside. <laughs> you know, she's the quiet one, so I didn't expect her to do that. Do you want to ask me that again? Sure, sure. And, and this is one thing that improv has taught me is that we're just going with it. There's no right or wrong. <laughs> and, and I might actually leave it in to some extent. We'll have to see. But <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so the question is. Um, you're the first person I've met that actually does this for a living in this, I think, fairly unique field and profession. How did you get into being a voiceover talent? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and my father was a musician. Um, He was a guitar player. And so I grew up in an environment where, you know, in Los Angeles, being in um, the entertainment business is something that a lot of people do. And so I got interested in it at a very young age and wound up when I was, I think about 13 years old, doing my first um, session job as a session singer. I recorded a children's album. I had the lead role called Toad. So I spent some time in a studio doing that. It was a work for hire. And then from there went on um, and graduated from the Dick Grove School of Music in Los Angeles. And at that time, I just spent time in studios. I wound up being lucky enough to do some work 
uh, where I was a session singer doing um, recordings for people who wanted to pitch their material to famous people. Like if you wanted to pitch your stuff to Bonnie Raitt, I would sing it in that style and um, do your recording for you. And then you could send it off and see if she'd buy your music. So I spent quite a bit of time in the studio in that way and got asked if I would do a um, on hold message, which I did. And from there, it was a real, just very, something I did not very often. As time went on, I uh, dabbled in it and wound up with a little handful of clients. You know, like I, I moved to Oregon and worked with a few little clients there, lived in Texas, worked with a few clients there. And it wasn't until I got to Colorado here and I had my, my children were really little and I decided that I really wanted to grow my voice acting career. So um, I started at that time, I put together my home studio and really started hustling to grow a career. And I think I got lucky in the sense that there weren't a lot of people who had the experience that I had when I got here in this area, um, growing their voiceover business. So it's kind of like the wave that hit, I just happened to be there at the right time for here, if that makes sense. And I worked very, very, very hard. I worked four days, a, four days a week, three and a half hours a day of auditioning. And I was relentless for two years of just, uh, I had a business plan and followed it to a T and uh, was insane pretty much at <laughs> <laughs> well and <clears throat> i want to come back to the the first part of your your career but i think that's something that people don't realize whether you're starting a tree trimming business or voice acting or acting or it's going to be a grind you're going to be absolutely. giving stuff away you're going to be churning and there's going to be absolutely no reward for your efforts for the the short term but that's how it all gets done Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you, my husband thought I was nuts during that time because he's like, you, this is, you're talking about a career in something that is extremely competitive and very difficult. But I knew that just like you said, with anything, if I have a plan and I'm willing to put in the time and I can really hone the craft, I will, I will build relationships and have a career. I knew that was going to happen at some point. I just didn't know how long it would take, but 100%. And voice acting is no different than anything else that you would do. Just like you said, it doesn't matter if it's voice acting or a tree trimming business. You have to build it. It's not going to happen. It's gone are the days where they go, oh my gosh, you're a star because of your voice. It doesn't work that way anymore. So yeah. <laughs> so had you ever considered uh, with your dad in, I'll just use big virtual air quotes here, show business, did you have an interest in being um, front of camera, front of stage performing? Did you ever go down that path? Yeah. So, so my dad, just, you know, it was when I, he was a musician before I was born. And so I grew up listening to his recordings, you know, of his, of what he was, had done. And my mom was in his, was in a band with him at one point in time. So I was a singer. That's where my heart was. I really had no interest in being a voice talent at all. In fact, um, fought it for a long time because I wanted to be a singer and I went on tour as a singer and I still sing, I still have a band and that's really where my heart is. Oh, what's your band called? Well, I had a band. My, my band now is just Rachel Elena music. I've, okay. I had a band for nine years that I dismantled at the end of last year. And uh, we played festivals and did all kinds of fun stuff, but I am working on my new website for my new music. 
but the voice acting thing came about, you know, my husband years and years and years ago was hit by a, a drunk driver in a head on collision. And mm. at that time we had a hard time. It was really tough. He forgot his clients' names. It was just a difficult time. And that really made me realize as singing is my heart and where it, I wanted it to be, but I needed to find a way to make a living doing what I was good at. You know what I mean? Using my skill set. But yes, to answer your question, I'm an actress. I was an actress and a singer long before I was a voice talent. So yes. Do you have a preference in which one would you say is more difficult being, um, uh, I'll just say on camera actress or being a voice actress? Well, Actor, for me, sorry. yeah, no, that's okay. For me specifically, we're all different. Of course, I'm a strong voice talent and a mediocre on-camera actress. So I have not developed that skill to where it would be to say that I'm super good at it. I'm a commercial actress. So I do some commercial acting, excuse me, commercial acting, but the voice acting is, you know, voice acting is like, I call it poetry with musical rhythm because mm. it's very much like singing. So for me to transition from being a singer, and I have, you know, I went to the Dick Grove School of Music, so I studied voice and uh, piano, and then I went on the road and traveled and everything. So I have extensive experience with that skill set. so I was able to just transfer it over. Whereas, you know, on camera acting requires your physicality and a lot of different things that is not as much my expertise. For our uh, Halloween improv show two years ago, I was the character from the first Wonder Woman movie where there was a scene with, <laughs> it, it was a short scene. I had just a couple of lines and it was the Chris Pine character and one of our other uh, improv actors, Casey, was playing Wonder Woman for this Halloween show. That's how awesome. It, <laughs> and I must have studied that scene and, and we tweaked the dialogue to make it sort of for our performance for Halloween. And, and again, when I say I'm an improv actor, that is with like the biggest training wheels, like toddler level. So it's only just, it's like when I started golfing, I understood how bad I was and how far away I am from an actual actor, but seeing just the subtleties, becoming aware of facial expressions and where their hands are and what their eyes are doing and the tone of voice and doing that and just realizing I'm awful at this. <laughs> well, <man. laughs> but but I, I haven't been trained. I haven't done it a whole lot. So I'm giving myself a huge bit of latitude for that. But it really just having even just the cursory side of it, um, the amateur side of it makes me appreciate the professionals so much more in a totally different genre that I've ever been exposed to. Mm -hmm. I would totally agree. 100%. What was your first paid uh, voiceover gig, if you remember? It was on an on hold message. Oh, right. You just said that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. the script? <laughs> no. And I don't remember how much they paid me to tell you the truth. You know, back, it was probably like, here, we'll give you $25. And at the time there was no at home studios, you know, so it was in the client's studio. Um, and I, I don't remember much about it, but I remember doing it and I was like, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. It was like, you know, the same thing as singing, except a little bit different. So, um, but I don't remember how much they paid me. I wish I did. 
I didn't think of it as a career at the time. I thought it was just a one-off thing I was doing. Oh. I didn't think much about it, you know? So take me through the experience because I, I want to put some context to this for people that may not know. We're, we're kind of in it, but voiceover, you're exclusively uh, behind the microphone, not on camera. And then your voice is taken somewhere else and produced into a commercial or for a character animation. Um, correct. Although in today's market, a lot of times it's done just from uh, the home studio or my studio directly. It just depends. You know, so I I can produce it to the point where you can take it and then, you know, just make a radio commercial with it and add a music bed or I can add a music bed and then you're done. So it doesn't necessarily need to be. But yes, to answer your question, for the most part, um, clients send me the script and they either direct me over the phone or they send me directions I read the script and send it back based on the way they'd like it read. And then they uh, then put that to whatever video or promotional materials or training materials or, you know, an audio book, wherever that uh, verbiage should go. Yeah. Okay. So that first on hold message, um, how many takes was it? How much direction did you need? I'm curious literally about the most minute details. I'm so fascinated <laughs> okay. by this. You can't go granular <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah, no. And you know, the funny thing is, is it, I, I don't recall much. I recall it mm. being super easy. Um, and it was just one of those things that I just kind of did very quickly. There wasn't much to it. You know, when I did it, it, it was probably not even a uh, director. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember what it was. I mean, you have to remember I was young. Mm. It, was, oh, it was over 25 years ago. Um, and it wasn't a big, it, was, it wasn't something I was thinking of because I was in the studio doing, um, generally speaking, singing. And so it's like, oh, if you can talk as well as you can sing, can you do this? But it was uh, pretty simple and straightforward. After that, um, I started working for small, little, small companies doing voiceovers, which would which would answer your question better because it was much more sure. Difficult. Because at that point, I remember doing a job very early on for a client who owned a web company, and I really didn't know what I was doing, um, but I wanted to act like I knew what I was doing, you know. And what he had wanted then, which is interesting, based on the way people speak now is he had wanted this really casual conversational style, which is what's in style today. Um, and I didn't know how to deliver that style. And I remember him coming back to me over and over and over and saying, you're not giving me what I, what I want. And I, I wanted to read it like this, you know, the, the <laughs> 80s kind of reading. But what he wanted was he wanted something that sounded more real, which believe it or not, is much harder than uh, sounding a little bit more smooth and professional for most people often. So that was, I I remember having a difficult time there because, you know, an on hold message, you literally can say, thank you so much for calling. And they can be like, that's good. You're done. Very easy. That's, that's more of a lower level tier. When you think of the voice acting uh, things that you have to do, when you start being of the voice of a company or doing a marketing that's specific for client direction, then it starts getting much more difficult. Hmm. <clears throat> well, I remember like, like in the, the vein of this podcast, so this is being recorded and I don't think twice so much about what I'm going to say, but, and I don't have sponsors, but if I've done a, a live read to sort of introduce an episode, 
it'll take me three and four times. I'll have to stop. And the minute I start thinking about what I'm going to say, or like I'm having to read kind of bullet points to hit a particular date, particular time for a performance or describe something, <laughs> I start tripping over myself. And it, it's just, it's, it, it's frustrating in an amusing way to me that it's like, how could I talk to somebody for 90 minutes on a podcast? Still the same thing. And the minute I start thinking about what I have to say specifically, I start going off the rails. It just cracks me up. <laughs> you, well, you're not alone. And a suggestion for that is oh. I, what I tell my voice acting students is now for voice acting, it's a little different, but the same kind of idea, come up with the vibe that you want uh, the person on the other end to receive when you're reading something bullet points would be no different that's the first thing so you want to come up with your content emotional content the second thing is to come up with the way in which you're going to say it then the third time you read it let it all go and ski down a mountain and you're not allowed to judge yourself until you're done because that where we get stuck i think is in our head with judgment of how oh i should have read this like this oh i should be reading this like this which is um that's all getting tripped up in your mind. And if you've worked those things out and you say, Dunsky, I'm not going to do this anymore for this time. I think that might help a little bit. Just a suggestion. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what would be the uh, dream gig for you? Is there such a thing like a company you'd want to work for or a voice acting role? Do you have like a, a bucket list? I mean, you've been in this for a while. What would be your most rewarding project? Have you thought about it in those terms? No, uh, I have done, this is going to sound, I don't, I'm not trying to sound arrogant, but I have done most things that I've wanted to do with oh, regards okay. to voice acting. I mean, if I were to think about, a, I mean, a dream gig, honestly, would be to be able to record some kind of documentary or long-term gig for a studio in Los Angeles where I could use like ISDN or Source Connect from where I am here and have a regular job where you're paid really well and you are the voice of a series. I mean, that is the dream gig, right? That would be, if I could um, have anything, that would be the dream gig. Other than that, when when you're not talking about like the big picture thing, you know, voicing, being the voice of a company or being the voice of commercials, that's all awesome. And it's all uh, part of the deal, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. What has been the most rewarding so far or the most interesting content that you've worked on to date? Well, let's see. So I did um, a children's toy for Disney, Cinderella. And that was really, really fun because I got to be the voice of uh, a Cinderella story like you would hear in a Disney movie. And, you know, of course, for me being a singer, my dreams as a child were to be like a session singer for Disney, you mm. know? So that was a super rewarding thing for me to be able to be involved in that. And I was able to do it. That was one of those things where I was able to do it from my home studio and have it turn into a toy that children uh, played, you know? So that was a highlight for me. And then um, I was the voice of Microsoft, their internal trainings for recruiters for about a year and nine months. And that was a tough job because it was uh, very intense. There was a lot of material coming at me quickly. 
but it was also awesome because I would wake up and just wind up with lots of work. So I didn't have to go out looking for work. I didn't have to go out to um, find anything else because I was busy a lot doing that. So I found that to be, you know, that goes back to my, what's your dream job? You know, it's nice when you get work that just comes in and you don't have to go hustle for it. <laughs> that's, that's always like, you know, that's always enjoyable. And then the best part about that, kind of like I'm doing a 65,000 word audiobook right now, which I'm enjoying thoroughly, is once you start to really nail down your voice for a project, you got it down. So you don't really have to go back and do a lot of that prep work that you had to do in the beginning. I always, I, I always envy these people that are on these like TV shows, you know, like the gold rush guy or something like that, where once they did that prep work, they nailed down their narrator character and then they, it's just smooth sailing from there because it gets easier and easier as you keep reading it and narrating it because you really are just repeating what your muscle memory already has developed. Mm. So I've got a couple of questions here. So in the, in the audio book, for example, what, what genre is that? It is a self-help book. Okay. Mm-hmm. And are you, let me see if I can get the proper terms here. Are you narrating it or are there characters or are there stories told from other points of view within that? So this particular book is nonfiction. So there are okay. no characters. I've done books <clears throat> with characters, which are much harder to me um, than what I'm doing right now. This book is from the, it's from an author's perspective. Although I did have to do the very beginning of the book, I was talking about her personal history from her voice. So there had to be some acting involved there because, you know, this woman had been an alcoholic and she had gone through some situations that were very difficult. And she, when she hired me, she had asked me to read it as if I were her. And she gave me specs of, I want people to feel my pain. I want people to understand how I arrived where I am, you know, all of that. So there was that perspective. And then now the second or the majority of the book uh, from there has been more of her being a counselor. So I'm speaking through her voice. So that's where the the acting side of this must come in because you're interpreting the emotions and you couldn't be talking about alcohol and recovery and all that without, and if she's wanting it to be sort of a firsthand accounting, it can't be flat. It just can't be reading the words on the page. That's where your acting skill comes in. Yeah. And acting skill is essential in voice acting. It is voice acting is all about the nuances so it's the little details and understanding your story and your backstory and understanding vocal traits to bring into it to draw that out and also being able to accomplish that is super important so yes you, acting is so important and i can't tell you how many people come to me um not understanding why they're not getting the kind of work they want to get and very often it's because they don't understand how to, how to act. They don't understand how to get behind that story. Their voice sounds fine, but it's one dimensional. Hmm. So as you're going through the emotional parts of that, how personally does that impact you? Are you spent at the end? Are you having to go to that place where she is? Can you funny question? It's a funny question because I'll just tell you a quick story about that. Yeah. So I narrated 
um, for a best-selling author. That was the first book that I did. And it was a great deal for me. I was the narrator. Somebody else was the producer. They paid me really well. And it was a self-help book. And I was super excited about it until around chapter, I don't know, eight or so. When I got there, there suddenly became this fear-based thing that was going on about AI coming in and taking over the world and everybody <laughs> scared. And I had, you know, when I narrate something, depending on what it is, I put a lot of myself into it. I'm a big believer in accessing my own emotion, wherever that comes from, and transferring it to the person who's on the other end of the mic, meaning the person that's listening. So in that circumstance, I was selling that guy's, I was selling the Kool-Aid, you know, whatever he was doing, which is exactly what I'm doing now with the book that I'm reading. But when I got there, I had signed a contract to, to, to do this book. And I remember just being almost devastated because I had to then really act like I was buying what I was talking about while at the same time it was kind of breaking my heart that here I was selling this for this guy when I really didn't believe in what I was talking about. And that, that happens. I narrated a book, uh, something I think it was how to win the lottery just by thinking about it, I think is the title. And <laughs> you know, that I had a book deal and that was the book that came to me. And so in that book, I'm acting hundred percent and that's part of my job, you know? And I think that's a really key point is that you're a professional and you have to, this is your profession and you have to do it very, very well, even if you don't necessarily like it or believe in it. I think that's something that everybody faces in their job as well. It's like, well, I don't believe in this meeting or this decision that comes down, but they're paying my salary and I have to do this. I recently narrated. I have a really wonderful client that I love. They do a lot of work for um, doctors. And so I narrate for them all the time. And they referred me to a new division that they opened, which was the cannabis division. And so I took the job because this is a long-term client of mine that I really enjoy working with and have had a great relationship with. So I then became the person teaching people how to sell cannabis products that were vape products. And I have a teenager. I've mm. got two teenagers actually. And I, I weighed that decision, but there again, and you know, we're all different of course, but I decided if you put a script in front of me to read within the majority of reason, it's there for a reason. And it's my job to do the best that I can to emote and to sell the product and to um, support whoever gave me the script. So that was just recently, that was uh, this year that happened. Hmm. Yeah. And as I was hearing that story and um, fast forwarding to if I ever did this for a career, I was like, would there be anything that I wouldn't take that I wouldn't want to be associated with? And, you know, outside maybe extreme <clears throat> political things, I don't, I don't know. I'd, I really have to ponder that. I don't have an answer. It's just something I was thinking about. It's tough. I mean, I did a job once for a gun range that was really out of my comfort zone. And I initially said, I'm not doing that. I'm not comfortable with that. Mm. And then the client put, came back and said, please, we really want you to do it. You know? And so I did. And I would say if I were auditioning, I would not, there would be many more things I would say no to. I would not take the cannabis job. I would not probably take the gun range job. 
But just like in any business, for me, these are long-term relationships. And a lot of my clients are production houses. Um, so they get their work from their clients. So when their clients come to them, they need a reliable person that they know is going to handle the job, turn it around the right time, be able to do what they're asking to do. And they have a roster. So for me to stay on that roster and stay at the top of their list, I kind of feel like I need to handle, like yesterday I did a job. I was in the middle of working um, with my at voice acting clients. And at about 2.30 in the afternoon, I got a message that said, urgent. And I clicked on it and it said, we have a COVID-19 job that just came through and can you do it this evening? And I was booked yesterday until 5.30. So that meant that I went last night and did that job for them and had it done by about 7.30 because they're a client of mine. And so I don't want them to go to some, someone else. I, I'll turn it around and get it done for them. So it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting dynamic. It is a business in that way. Well, and the, the mark of a professional and that's, you're going to be working late weekends, perhaps holidays. And right. you know, if you're a doctor, lawyer, firefighter, voice actor, if you're calling yourself a professional and I'm going back to, um, turning pro by Steven Pressfield, it's like, you know, it's not always just cash and checks and sitting on the patio. There's going to be sacrifice. And if you want to be good, you've got to, put in the time and do the work and especially when the phone rings. Well, so I went um, on a trip. My son graduated from high school. We took a group of boys to Mexico and I brought my portable studio just in case we were there for seven days and I worked four out of the seven days. I was so bummed when I came home, but thankful, you know, thankful to be working. But it was one of those, I came home and I'm like, ah, I need another vacation. But the fact is again, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, my clients are happy. So, so you do what you do and it's good. And I, I have to say, I mean, I feel like I have the, I think I have the best job, honestly, on the planet earth. One of the best jobs I work for myself every day. It's different. What comes in my inbox. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes it's three jobs like last week, three jobs and an audiobook. or today I have nothing today. So it just kind of, it varies. It's, it's, it's just a, it is expressive. And then I also coach. So I get to be face-to-face -face working with people and watch people grow and develop. So it, it's, it's a great job. So that's why, I, that's why I don't mind doing extra work. It's good. I want to keep being able to do what I do. Yeah. And if you enjoy it, that's, <clears throat> that's a benefit. It's not a requirement. That's a, that's a perk. If you enjoy what you do and get paid for, you know, if you're good at it and you enjoy it, then yeah, you're very, very lucky and very, very fortunate. That's great to hear. Yeah. I think you're right. So yeah, hypothetical situation, let's say that you get a work of fiction that's got characters and I've never taken a formal acting class. Um, how does one build out a character and a voice? Do you work with the author, the director, and like how deep into, I'm throwing out the acting terms that I use, the motivations, the drivers, the fears. Do you get into that level of detail if you're going to record a work of fiction like that? Well, it depends on where the job comes from, in my opinion. A lot of times you can have these little book deals which where they don't pay you very much, but you constantly have a book in your inbox. That is for like, we're talking about the everyday working voice talent. You know, you get a book deal and then you wind up with a book that you get where you don't have the opportunity to meet or discuss with the author because in that circumstance, 
the author doesn't have a choice, you know, or they may have five voices they pick from and then you're the voice they chose and it comes to you. So that's one way that that's done. Another way that that's that it's done is you do have an opportunity to sit down with the author and really get oftentimes they'll send you like an email with a backstory that's written out so that mm. you can understand their traits. Either if it's in an email form or if I'm able to talk to the client who has written the book, what I personally do is, and I just did this with one of my, one of my voice acting coaches, coaching clients early today, I make a list of their traits. For example, let's say um, if somebody says, oh, this character is dark and edgy. I will write on the left-hand side, dark and edgy. Then on the right-hand side of my column, I'll say what vocal traits, if the door were closed and you could not see this character, what vocal traits would make it known that this character is dark and edgy? So you might be more clipped at the ends of your phrases and sentences. You might have something that is a little off in the end of your pitching to make it. So those are vocal traits. Uh, that you develop based on personality traits. So that's that's answering one element of your question, I think. Uh, the other element is, is the more backstory you have, the better, no matter what. The more you can look at what drives your character, the more depth you will have in your ability to come up with those vocal traits. Hmm. So what would that sound like? You had mentioned that it'd be clipped in... Can you give me an example of that? Because I'm not sure I completely yeah. understand what that let would be. Sure. So let me let me pick up a book here and see what I can read. So dark and edgy, take one. <laughs> <laughs> also dark, is that what I said? Dark and edgy. Okay. Yeah. So let me read this. Well, I'm so excited. I can't tell you how much I'm geeking out on this. Really. Well, really. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. Um, okay. So I'm going to read it normally. He then said he wanted to ask me something. And I said, all right. Okay, so that's just, I've never read this before. I just picked up a book. Sure, yeah. Okay, let's go dark and edgy. He then said he wanted to ask me something. I said, all right. <laughs> you hear the difference? Yeah, especially in the word all right. That's so where you I- notice I pitched off. So I didn't say, all right, all right. I said, all right. Or I said, all right. My pitch, I bent my pitch just a little bit so that it was not quite, so you don't really pick up on it, but to your ear, it's not, something's off. That's a little, oh. when I talk about uh, the subtleties in voice acting, those are, there's so many little things like that. You know, because if your listener feels off and they don't know why, that might be a good dark and edgy, right? Might make you feel awkward or weird or uncomfortable and you don't know why. The the ultimate kind of gut feeling just in, yeah. like, uh, in when I've heard it, like people have met somebody or at a party or at lunch or this, like, man, there's something, <laughs> I just couldn't put my finger on it like that. Yeah. It was, it's not what he said, but kind of how he said it. Like I totally get that. And, and I just have to tell you, I'm so <laughs> amazed and impressed. That was like so cool to just hear these um, theoretical you know, abstract concepts about a voice. And then in real time, you just did it. And I was like, oh, that, that was exactly it. That was super cool. Thank you. <laughs> well, nice to say thank you. <laughs> um, 
A technical question. You mentioned your portable studio and I am kind of getting into the equipment side of things a little bit. What is your portable studio? Well, um, uh, for me, I have an audio, audio technica. Um, I can't remember which one it is. And then I have what's called the Kyoto eyeball that goes around it. So that's like a little, um, sound buffering thing. It's like a little ball so then I can kind of bring it with me. Then I also have, um, it's not a mixer, but it's like a processor that I plug that microphone into, which then gets plugged into my laptop. And my portable studio is not nearly as good as what I have at home, but it does the job in a pinch. I can't, if I have to do edits when I'm traveling, which I don't travel very much, I can't do that. I can't edit something I've done here because I've got a Neumann TLM here, which is a really good microphone and really good equipment. So I can't make those changes on the road. But what I can do, like when I was in Mexico, I did a job for uh, Adobe, uh, Adobe Creative Cloud. And I started from scratch. And that's part of the reason it took me so long as well, because now I'm in a new environment. I had to put, I went into the bedroom and I put towels over the mirror in the place we were staying and then more towels in the back kind of off the bed frame. So there was towels to absorb the sound in front of the mic and to absorb the sound behind the mic, plus my Kyoto eyeball to just kind of give some um, sound, what's the word, uh, dampening, so that it wasn't, there was no bouncing back. But the quality is not so good. So it took me twice as long probably as it would have at home because I was muddling through scripts, you know, at the edge of a, at the edge of a countertop in this bedroom trying to make sure the sound was right and I had to start over with some things because I couldn't edit but I wanted to get it back to the client so my portable studio fits in a backpack I can roll it along I have learned over time you know it has a mic stand and I've learned over time that you when you travel out of the country the mic stand should go into your suitcase that you check in do not try to carry it on because they will complicate it <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like it's a weapon or a baton or it something. It was a weapon. I got a piece of paper that said, this is a weapon. This is considered a weapon and we're confiscating it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's actually my mic stand. <laughs> Lesson learned. Don't do that. <laughs> my friends at uh, Halo Creative down in Rhino, they've let me use their studio for a podcast. It was a remote podcast, but mm-hmm. I walked in and it was uh, a, like a like a six by 10 rectangular office carpeted and they had put up sound deadening and closed the door. And I was like, this sounds amazing in here. And if I, if I could do it, if I could record remote podcasts from my closet, I probably would just because I don't, I can adjust the in post. Listen to me sounding all pro. <laughs> you are pro. You're running the podcast. I can take some of the echo out of it, but even in the, even the, even in my office in here, I would love to have it dampened and just, you know, hearing putting towels on the the mirrors and things like that makes so much sense. And it just makes a, a huge difference. You know, if you're interested, Google the Kyoto eyeball, there's a lot of different reviews on it, but I saw your setup there and that might be something that's inexpensive. I mean, it's not a miracle cure, but it is something that would dampen that potentially a little bit. Something to look into. Okay. Excellent. The key is you want something when you speak into your mic, you want some soundproofing in front 
and then a little something behind you because the sound will bounce off to the back. So you want something to absorb it both directions. That's one of the keys. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And then the other part of your business, and I'm going to be a student of yours or a client is the voice coaching. And what does that actually entail? Well, um, so for me, since I'm not a big school, it's really individualized. I do hour long lessons and I also do an eight week package where you come once a week for eight weeks. And at the end of the eight weeks, you can get a certificate that says you've completed coaching with me and we make a demo based on what we've learned over the course of the eight weeks. And it's super intense because I'm pretty intense. And I think because I, I am a working voice talent and I work as a talent agent as well, I limit the amount of people that I see per week. And I do have a curriculum, but it's super individualized. So for example, if you come to me and, and after our first session or two, in those two first couple sessions, I give you foundational skills. So this way, there are rules. There are some basic rules that you should understand. Those are the foundational skills. Once we get past that, then it starts to become where I find your strengths and weaknesses are and help you develop in some places and grow to get either one money voice or two money voices and get your money muscle memory going so that you really can start auditioning, hopefully at the end of that eight weeks, so that you're out there working with a demo and with... Uh, some understanding of what you're doing. So when directors give you directions or you get scripts, you're not just guessing. You have some ideas of how to respond to that situation. And then I do continue coaching. It's just that after that, my price drastically goes down because you've already spent quite a bit of time with me and we already know each other pretty well. So at that point, then it's things for touch up for like auditioning or if you want to do character development and we haven't gotten there or audiobook narration or whatever that is. So that's kind of how the coach, and I coach in my studio here and or uh, via Zoom remotely. I coach people all over the world. So that's kind of what that looks like. Fascinating. And I'm doing it um, because first of all, being a podcaster, which I just enjoy doing it, sure. I'd like to improve the, the one tool that goes out, the one, I guess, performance aspect of it. And then with the voices, you're still continuing to do improv acting. Um, I, I basically have my natural voice. I have a dumb guy voice. And then I crafted an Irish accent. And I would like to learn how to do more and kind of what all that is and what's entailed in that. And just having interests, but also skills that overlap. And so that's why after talking to you a couple of weeks ago, this all made like, even if I was cold calling somebody uh, for work, just to have a, a better speaking voice and I could maybe put on a character or listen or things like that. So to me, this, I don't know of any job that doesn't require speaking. And if you could do it better, even if your goal is not to become a voice actor or a podcaster, why not just improve, you know, one of the first things that people are going to, form an impression on you about. Totally makes sense. And something to think about, I do sometimes work with people from corporations to help them improve exactly, excuse me, like you're talking about. And you know, something to think about, which is always not necessarily what we think about, but culture changes. And what's popular in culture 
is what's popular in voice acting and is also um, affects how you are received in a professional way. So for example, if you're overly articulate and uh, maybe a little too authoritative, that might do you well as a CEO or somebody who is in a position of authority in your job. And people definitely do use their voices to get, uh, that helps them to get to where they are in their careers. On the, that might help you in that aspect, but it might hinder you in the way that people relate to you. People might not trust you as much. They might not feel as endearing towards you because of that. And those are things that sometimes if you don't have somebody else listening, you don't know. You don't know how that's being received necessarily. That's fascinating. And just to take the lid off of that and understand, again, going deeper and deeper into less of what you say, it's more of how you say it. And I'm excited to learn why this matters and how this matters and the, what do you call it? The pitch bending? You, you bend the, I'm sorry. You, what'd you well, say that's only if you're going to be dark and scary. <laughs> Don't bend your pitch any other time. <laughs> well, I can't talk about that exactly, Rachel, but yes, I am going to need to be very dark and very scary <laughs> in about 10 days. But I'll just, I, I've said too much. I think I may have implicated you already, but... <laughs> together i'll get on the phone you can be the face i'll just be the person on the phone yeah. <laughs> <Painful>. nice um <laughs> uh, and then you know are you with your home studio are you like a musician do you have just a bunch of different microphones that have different characters are you a tech geek in that way no not at all okay no i i come from the, you know, I, I was a singer and so I am all about the art of it. I love people. So I love, you know, working with people as a coach because I get to connect with people. I love the auditory uh, side of things. I fought tooth and nail when it came to building my own studio, when it came to understanding my website, when it came to all of that, you know, I'll tell you years and years and years ago, when I was first starting out my voiceover, business. I really fought to that effect of what you're talking about doing anything technical. I was so, I was like, I'm an artist. I don't want to be technical. And my son at the time played me a podcast. Um, when I was kind of just getting into it by a guy named, I'm sure you probably heard of him, Gary V. Mm, yeah. Okay. So my son, we were driving back from winter park said, and I was frustrated because I wasn't moving as quickly as I wanted to move. And I was having trouble and very stuck. And my son said, mom, he, you know, he was in high school at the time, a kid, probably 16. He's like, listen to this. And Gary V said something to the effect of, if you're over 40 and you are not moving in a direction of being technical, you might as well be dead. And I started to cry actually, because <laughs> I realized, oh my gosh, I have to get with the program. I cannot just avoid and just do what I love all day long. I have to figure this stuff out. So that long story short, no, I'm not technical, but I've made myself technical because it's the vehicle for me to do what I want to do. Being a professional. Yep. That's it. Understanding that it's maybe a skills gap or a talent gap Correct. going after it and getting it. Skills gap. That's a great way to put it. Yep. I definitely nice. have one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and still probably do in, in many areas of my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just talked about this on another episode and <clears throat> excuse me. It was, I was 
my buddy Chris who could work a room and he wasn't doing it because that's was his intent. He just was outgoing and energetic and, and just kind of knew how to talk to people. And I just remember being envious about that. And I forget where I found this, but it was um, a book on how to talk to anybody. And she had a hundred different things. And I actually wrote everyone down trying to memorize the phrases. And that was kind of my awakening of a skill. And I thought, wow, either you could talk to people in a big room or you couldn't. And that was it. And then working through that, fumbling it, mm-hmm. and then getting better at it and going, wait, oh, I could learn anything. I might not master it or become a pro at it, but hey, if I want to learn a free throw or if I want to learn, um, I'm learning Python web programming right now, but Ooh, if I wanted to right. learn, <laughs> well, I was an engineer in a former life, so it's wow. not, so I've, I've, paid for that in college. So now it's just kind of learning different syntax and stuff, but just learning how to be a a better speaker. I'm super excited about that. And knowing that there's places to do that. There's, if you want to learn anything, go find it. It's pretty exciting. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. I love that attitude because it's really easy. And I find myself doing it. You know, it's really easy to become skilled at one thing and just say, that's just, I'm just going to do that. That's the easiest thing. Um, but if you can keep growing, I think that's, that's sometimes where the heart of some happiness lies because you have to climb a mountain a little bit and then you are in a different place than you were before. And I think there's something really to be said about continuously growing and you're either expanding or you're contracting. That's my opinion. That's pretty much where it is in life. So that attitude that you have, I think goes very well along with the uh, theory of wanting to expand, you know? Well, and that's the whole reason that we're even talking here is that I started this podcast because it was something I wanted to learn how to do. And I didn't know if it was going to go anywhere, if anybody would care. And I still, to this day, I'm excited when people say they've listened to it and they comment on it. But Mm -hmm. at the end of it, just the simple fact that you and I are having this conversation, we've had some laughs and it's building a relationship professional or a friendship. It's that's why I keep doing it. I like you, I don't necessarily enjoy the technical side of it. I don't like sitting down and editing out um, coughing or, you know, anything else like that. That's tedious. And then the, the marketing of it, the social posting, that's tedious. But when I'm in the moment and I'm talking to somebody, I, time just flies and I enjoy it. And it was simply from the fact of like, I don't know how to do this and I want to go learn how to do it. And it's made me 90 plus friends at this point. And that's, you know, at the end of it, that's all I really care about. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where could people, um, I'll post links to all this when the episode comes out, but where can people find you to explore voice coaching? Oh, well, they can go to rachelalena.com. That is my website. Great. com. Yep. There's information about my coaching there. And, um, if you want to know more, I'm also a coach for, uh, voices.com. So if you Google mission audition, 
I did their first podcast with them. So you can hear that as well to get a feel for my coaching style. Um, if there's any interest in that. Sure. Okay. Now do it dark and edgy. (laughs) What did I say? So I'm not as good, believe it or not. This is because it's muscle memory. I I don't even remember what I said, but if I'm reading it, I'm much better at it than if I'm just talking because talking requires me to think of what I'm saying. I don't even know what I said. Well, let's do this. If you would, um, at some point, you know, after you've previewed the episode, um, from your home studio, if you would do just a read for me of your information, things like that in dark and edgy, and then I'll add it into the end of the website. No, I can do it right now. Let me go. Let me go to my website. I just need to, it's amazing how muscle memory has so much to do with everything that we do and experience. Um, because if I read it, it just comes to me completely naturally. Oh. If I, <laughs> if I have to tell you what I just said, forget about it. You know, well, thanks not- for being a good sport. I'm sorry for putting you on the spot. No, no. <laughs> okay. So what should I talk about? The voice coaching? Yes. Okay. Let's see what I've got here. I'm going to read my website. Uh, well, okay. Do you want it dark and edgy? Yes, please. <laughs> Let me sit up here. Let's see if I can do that. Here is how I will work with you. As your voiceover coach, okay, I'm gonna laugh. I don't think I can do this. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. I can do this. I know I can because I work with my clients about this because content is one thing, emotions are another, and you should be able to have solid understanding and recall for your emotions enough to be able to voice anything. So let me go again here. Let me try this again. As your voiceover coach, my goal is to prepare you to be successful in the real world as a voice actor. This includes everything, including studio setup, to make your demos, to marketing yourself to audition, and of course, developing your skills as a voice talent. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. That was a hard one. That was a hard challenge. One of the hardest challenges because it's my material that I'm reading and I'm like, this is the opposite of how I feel. (laughs) But that's that's a great exercise for anybody that wants to become a voice talent. Separate your emotions from the words you're talking about. Words are super important, but you have to be able to, um, nail down your emotion. Yeah. That was great. Funny. (laughs) Thank you for the, the challenge. Uh, well, you're welcome. And thanks for playing along and being such a good sport. <laughs> well, Rachel, this has been great. I will post links to this and uh, I sincerely look forward to working with you. So I do appreciate the time today. Thank you. And I wish you wonderful things with everything that you do, your voice included. Oh, well, thank you. Okay. I'll hit stop recording and I'll turn the video back on. Okay. So let me turn my video back on. If you like this show, I have two requests. One is to share it with someone and make sure that they know what a podcast is and how to get it. Either show them iTunes or Spotify. And the second request is let me know if there's somebody that you would like to be interviewed in your personal circle. Uh, People ask me all the time where I find these guests and they're friends on Facebook, friends on LinkedIn. Uh, I see 
um, news articles, and I simply reach out and talk to them and ask them if they'd want to tell their story. So uh, this podcast was founded on the premise that you don't have to be rich and famous to tell a compelling story. And if there's somebody in your world that uh, you think would be a great interview, I guarantee you they would be. And just shoot me a note at podcast at thewarmfront.com and let's hook it up. Thanks.